From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. This is indeed The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Congratulations, you have found us. And it is great to be with you, hanging out with you all, truly uh, the highlight of my week. So come on in, grab a stool by the fire, and you are among friends. Chris Milligan is a publisher of some very dangerous books, and he's also a longtime JFK assassination researcher. In fact, every year, Chris puts on an Oswald conference, Lee Harvey Oswald, and he's standing by and will join us momentarily to talk about the JFK assassination specifically. I think we'll... Uh, sort of drill down on Oswald's time spent in New Orleans in the months before the murder of President Kennedy, the summer of 1963. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, Ian Robertson is here, twisting the dials and knobs, our rockabilly friend. I'm thinking Ian uh, might be, in fact, the reincarnation of Eddie Cochran. What do you think? He's nodding approvingly. Not many 20-somethings that even know Eddie Cochran, but he's... You get James Dean as well? I can see that for sure. Uh, you're an old soul, to be sure. Albert Vinzel is here. Albert and I have posted our usual assortment of tantalizing tidbits in the uh, slide carousel at strangeplanet.ca. That's the new website, strangeplanet.ca. It's really just a, a landing page, a platform, if you will, a deep space platform. Just go to the radio page once you're there. So, again, strangeplanet.ca. And then uh, there's a radio page, and uh, click on the Conspiracy Show. And there you will find, a um, in the slide carousel at the top, a remarkable expose published by the London Daily Mail about a mob hitman who says he was the man on the grassy knoll who killed JFK. And he's, um, he's actually serving time in an Illinois uh, state prison. Uh, James Files is his name, and he insists he did it. He claims in the documentary, I Killed JFK, he was the man who killed President Kennedy. Uh, he was moved from a high-security jail to a less secure one in Illinois, and he is preparing for his release next spring, after 36 years behind bars. And uh, James Files says he was standing on the grassy knoll in Texas, Dallas, Texas, November 22nd, and fired the fatal head wound that killed Kennedy. And he also claims Lee Harvey Oswald never fired a single shot and that his boss, Charles Chucky Nicoletti, was in the book depository. Further, he claims the CIA turned against Kennedy after the Bay of Pigs invasion and plotted with the mafia to kill the president. Uh, and um, I actually interviewed James Files' wife. Uh, oh, maybe eight years ago, I'm thinking it might have been, maybe... A little less, a little longer. Uh, that'll be interesting when James Files gets released, if, in fact, he gets released. Uh, that's, it's, that's just one of the many stories you'll find up at the, um, uh, the website, strangeplanet.ca. And while you're there, while you're there at strangeplanet.ca, uh, you may want to register as a member, gain access to the member-only areas, which includes the audio archives, and you can go back and listen to past shows. I think you can go back as far as the summer of 2012. All right. To the main entree we go. 
We are uh, fast approaching the 52nd anniversary of the assassination of the 35th President of the United States. And uh, we are joined by a gentleman who, it's been a while uh, since he's been with us. Chris Milligan is the organizer of an annual Oswald Conference. We'll find out more about that. And he is the publisher of, uh, well, I think the... Um, their uh, list of books has gone over, uh, it's up around 70 volumes now in print. Uh, Trinidad Books. Uh, and he's also the editor. This is, you know, anyone who listens to this program and similar programs really needs to have this book on their, uh, their in their library, on their nightstand, Fleshing Out Skull and Bones, Investigations into America's Most Powerful Secret Society. Chris is also a musician. Uh, after first working in 1999 with author-investigative reporter Daniel Hopsiger in uh, producing uh, Barry and the Boys, the CIA, the Mob, and America's Secret History, Chris started Trinidad in 2000 as a vehicle to get suppressed books wider circulation. And as I mentioned, it has now grown to over 70 volumes in print and has succeeded in achieving a wider distribution for suppressed works. The current catalog can be viewed at Trinidad.com, T-R-I-N-E-D-A-Y.com. He's also edited and, as I mentioned, author of Fleshing Out Skull and Bones, a prolific songwriter, uh, and uh, the annual conference that is produced by Chris Milligan and Trinidad Books, uh, Lorian Fenton and Conscious Community Events, David Denton and the JFK Historical Group also participate in that, and also Judith Very Baker who was a, a mistress of Lee Harvey Oswald, has been on this program. She's going to host the third annual JFK Assassination Conference in Dallas, November 20, 21-22, two and a half days of presentations, and Chris will be a part of that. Chris Milligan, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. It's been a very long time since you've been with me. My fault entirely. How are you? Well, uh, thank you very kindly. I'm, I'm doing fine, sir. And thank you for having me on. All right. Uh, first of all, uh, because it's been a while since you've been on, those not familiar with you, hopefully they're familiar with the book, which you edited, Fleshing Out Skull and Bones. Uh, but let's just dial it back to a conversation you had with your late father in the 1960s. Your father was with the Office of Strategic Services, the forerunner of the CIA. Uh, he had a, a conversation with you one evening, or maybe it was over the course of several evenings. I'm not sure. But tell us what he what he dropped on you, kind of a bomb, I'm guessing. Well, yes, and, and he had uh, gone into the CIA also, um, and uh, it was uh, 1969, uh, and he took me aside along with a, uh, he had a professor from Vanderbilt with him, and he looked at me and he said, the Vietnam War is about drugs. Uh, there's these secret societies. Uh, and then he said, and communism's all a sham, uh, these same secret societies are behind it all. It's all a big game. And uh, at that time, I, I thought my dad was uh, nuts. And uh, uh, a little light bulb came on my head, and I thought he was having uh, the drug talk with me. It was late 60s. I was growing my hair long. Uh, and so I thought he was going to, uh, uh, you know, tell me to stop smoking pot. So I straightened up and was getting ready for him to do that, but he just uh, continued telling me all about his intelligence career from when he was uh, an 18-year-old uh, kid. 
and uh, uh, then he, they told me that, that uh, he said that there, there was uh, Vietnam. They were playing out a loose scenario in Vietnam, uh, and then he started talking about uh, propaganda and psychological warfare, and it became very apparent that I had no idea of what he was talking about. It's interesting uh, you're on the program with me tonight, Chris. A couple of weeks ago, I had E. Howard Hunt's son, St. John Hunt, on the program, and he sort of got a similar talk. This was his father's uh, sort of deathbed confession, and he mm-hmm. kind of set him straight. Have you had any communication with, with St. John Hunt? Uh, yes, and, and actually we uh, met each other uh, as musicians um, uh, first, and... Uh, uh, we 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 had talked and and I knew about him and I says now wait a minute you're E Howard Hunt's kid your your book should be coming out from New York and finally when that didn't happen I finally said okay to St John because I've um, printed one of his books and then we just uh, recently published another one of his about his uh, mother's oh Dorothy uh, that you published that, that. okay yes. my my apologies I should have known that yes well and, and it's very interesting we we've had some talks. Um, about how, you know, it, it's very strange uh, growing up in a household of a uh, spy, uh, because they don't, they don't talk about their work at the dinner table. Uh, matter of fact, they might even have to lie at the dinner table. Right, right. So it's, it's uh, a very interesting upbringing. Well, w- did your father ever talk to you about Kennedy? Um, n- not really, not really. He uh, uh, he was a Kennedy supporter, and that was one reason. I mean, I had a hard time understanding because, um, you know, he, he's just your dad. I, I knew he'd been involved with intelligence, not because before because he had talked to me, but because uh, my older brother and older sister. Uh, we had talked about it because, I mean, we'd spent time overseas. Uh, I was born in D.C. and raised in Fairfax, and um, it, we had talked about it, but it hadn't been talked about. So it was uh, just, uh, I, I didn't know, I mean, why should I believe him? Who? I mean, he was just, you know, uh, I didn't think that he knew anything about all this stuff mm-hmm. um, but then when after he died and I, when I got to go through his papers uh, I see that he did and I, and I am studying him more now working uh, on a book on him and I come to find that he was working in psychological warfare uh, in World War two and that is uh, the most significant part because one thing that he started to do was he started to Talk to me about these things that, you know, telling me that they're playing out a loose scenario in a war. I mean, how, how do you get your head around something like that? What does that mean, a loose scenario? Uh, a, a lose. In other words, they're, they're playing the war to lose. Oh, to lose. Okay. To lose. Right, right. And I had a hard time as a kid, as it, as it was, trying to, wait a minute, uh, war, you kill people, and there's rules. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. All right, listen, Chris. We uh, we're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we'll uh, uh, we'll talk about Kennedy and we'll talk about the Oswald Conference coming up, and also Oswald's days in New Orleans, which is a very interesting chapter. 
leading up to November of uh, 63. Chris Milligan is the organizer of the annual Oswald Conference, and he'll also be at a very important JFK conference in Dallas, November 2021-22. And much more awaits right here on the very one and only Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Please hang out with us. The owners of the system are asleep. Now we can play. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And welcome back. Great pleasure to have Chris Milligan with us. Editor of Fleshing Out Skull and Bones Investigations into America's Most Powerful Secret Society. His father was with the Office of Strategic Services in the Second World War. Uh, Bureau Chief, um, was it, was it South Asia your father's posting, Chris? Uh, his last, uh, covert, uh, job with the CIA was Branch Chief Head of, uh, East Asia Analysis Office, yes. Well, interesting connection, obviously, with Southeast Asia and, uh, and, and JFK. Um, and yet he didn't talk to you about that. When, after he passed on and you went through his papers, did you find anything any interesting connections between your father's work and and um, possibly the 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 motive behind JFK's assassination? Well, uh, one of the things that I found out, and and he had spoken to me a little bit about, was uh, a meeting that he'd had in 1956 with a gentleman by the name of Ed Lansdale uh, in Vietnam, uh, which was one of the um, main impetus is for him uh, leaving uh, the CIA. And uh, they were having a picnic, um, but they told the world uh, they were having a battle. Um, and when I looked at my, uh, how I found out a lot about it, I asked my mother uh, how big Chiang Mai, Thai, uh, Thailand was. And she had been with my father in 1956 in this trip where he'd been to Vietnam and Thailand. And she says, oh, the biggest thing in town was a church. She had a picture of it. And then my mother made an aside. She said, and that's when she stopped believing everything she read in the newspapers. And this kind of uh, picked up my ears because... uh, um, my mother had been a very good CIA wife. I'd ask her questions, and she'd say, oh, she didn't know anything. And so I uh, asked my mother, what did you mean? And she said, well, uh, they'd been in Vietnam, and then they'd gone over to uh, Thailand, to Bangkok, and then to Chiang Mai. And uh, She said there had been a story in the newspapers about this big battle in Vietnam, uh, right where they had been, but she said there had been no battle. Uh, they'd been having a picnic. And so I look at her picture book, and I look at Chiang Mai and the church, and I turn it back a few pages, and uh, there's my dad uh, sitting out talking uh, to uh, Colonel Lansdale, and uh, then there's this uh, beautiful picture of my mother, uh, I ended up showing it to my other siblings, and it ended up being one of the main pictures in her memorial because she's just vivacious in it. And the caption to the picture off to the side, and you can see in this picture, you can see Lansdale, he's sitting down, and they're having a picnic, and there's these other people in camos and berets walking around. And it says, uh, Eudora, because that's my mother's name, it says, Eudora out from Saigon. 
with Colonel Lansdale and North Vietnamese military leaders. North and, North Vietnam. I mean, Lansdale was was chief of CIA's Saigon military mission. He was there to to prop up Diem, right? Right, but a lot of that had all been uh, uh, manipulated. Um, and this had been right after uh, Lansdale had taken over the Golden Triangle from uh, French intelligence. The French had left uh, in 1954 after Diem Van Phu, however you say that. Yeah, but uh, they didn't leave the Golden Triangle. They stayed there. Uh, French intelligence, along with some Corsican uh, mafia folks. And uh, Lansdale had asked them to leave, uh, and they said, well, no. Uh, and uh, there's a book, uh, actually by Gerald Posner, The Triad, uh, that talks about uh, this and says that this is one of the very few shooting wars between Western intelligence agencies. Uh, basically, Lansdale went and got his own Corsican, Lucian Conan, and went up and took it over. This is a turf war for the heroin. Right. And, you see, one of the things, the other thing, that a uh, big thing that my father told me, he said they're out to opiate your whole generation. And uh, so you have a picnic. You tell the world you're, you're having a battle. Well, why do you do that? And if you look at the historical record, Ed Lansdale did fake battles in the Philippines, and a gentleman, um, uh, Fletcher Prouty, Colonel, Colonel Fletcher Prouty, says that he did fake battles in Vietnam. But you... Uh, and that's the Mr. That's the, uh, the Mr. X character in, in Oliver Stone's JFK, Fletcher Prouty. Right, and so he... Um, you harden the sides, because then the people in the villages, uh, they've got to, okay, who are you for? And so it hardens the sides, and pretty soon you have, uh, you know, American boys and girls going to hell for one year and some Canadian boys and girls. Yes. And, uh, you know, they're going there for one year. After one year, they get to go home to their friends. Well, gosh, some of those boys and girls get addicted to the heroin that's being proffered to them by about anybody who's 12 years up, old and up. And it's, you know, what does a, uh, sadly, what does a junkie do? A, a junkie sells junk. And so it, quote unquote, contaminates the population in a widespread area starting in the uh, early 60s. And um, it's uh, part and parcel of the psychological warfare. Uh, that the, the Kennedy hit was. Did your father ever talk to you, and I, I do want to move on to Oswald here in a moment, but did your father ever talk to you about the role of Air America uh, in, in getting the heroin out of the Golden Triangle? And also, and this is one of the most distasteful aspects of the whole war, and there are many, uh, but the idea or the theory, the rumor, that heroin was being smuggled out of, South, uh, out of Vietnam in the caskets containing dead U.S. servicemen. It's it's not a rumor, and it was actually stuffed into some into cadavers. Uh, and uh, I, I did a lot of research, and it's just amazing. Uh, and when you look at the numbers, um, 
officially they say that there's a, a million to a million two junkies in the United States. Uh, I personally think there's a few more. Uh, and if you uh, just uh, pencil that out as far as numbers, uh, that's a ton a day. So it, it's it's a, a lot of uh, activity uh, goes around, and this is one of the activities that then also creates huge big slush funds that allows these forces from out of the shadows to uh, affect our uh, daily life and our children's future. All right, Chris Milligan is uh, with us, fleshing out skull and bones. Uh, let's let's talk because we're, you know here we are, 52nd anniversary of the JFK assassination. And um, first of all, tell us about the Oswald Conference. Uh, where well, and when? Where and when? Well, it it it, it happened in uh, New Orleans in October. Uh, and we're going to have another one there last year. And actually, they started up there in Toronto uh, because Judith Barry Baker in her, her book, Me and Lee, uh, when it first came out, she'd already had so many accidents and, and so many death threats that she'd moved to, to Europe. Uh, when her book came out, she wouldn't come to the United States. Uh, and finally, when her... The soft cover of it came. I, I, I says, well, what about Toronto? Would you come to Toronto, to conspiracy culture there? And I, I says, Judy, when's, uh, it's going to come out September, October. What is there a good date? And she says, well, Oswald's birthday is in October. And so we celebrated Oswald's birthday there at conspiracy culture uh, and brought her to, to uh, speak. Uh, we had a uh, great um, reception there. Uh, we got um, front page news. She got on a whole bunch of radio and television. She was First, on the program, none of yes. It, um, got over to the United States. Uh, and this heartened uh, Judith. And um, because of that, uh, uh, we did her David Ferry book because Judith, you know, knew David Ferry. Uh, and it's just. She is, a, she is a first person witness. And so, uh, we've been starting to have, uh, celebrate Oswald's birthday, which, you know, you're, you're supposed to hate this gentleman, right? He, he killed our beloved president, but he didn't. He was a patsy. And this has helped turn, turn around, uh, the thinking of Oswald and, and who he is. And, uh, Judith has been very much responsible with her first person witness. And then we're doing a Dallas conference uh, because there are people uh, that will not allow Judith to speak at, quote-unquote, their conferences. And generally at their conferences, they don't like people to talk about uh, LBJ's involvement. So uh, we're looking to have, you know, some honest discussion, and we've really... Uh, the, the conference in, in New Orleans was fantastic. Uh, we had, uh, Joan Mellon there, Jim Mars, Judith Ferry Baker, uh, Ed Haslam, uh, Roger Stone, uh, St. John Hunt, uh, Ed Tatro, uh, uh, other people doing some just amazing research. And, you know, if you look at the JFK, uh, there's a lot of, uh, quote unquote contentious and, and there's a lot of things that people don't agree on. And, uh, but it, it, there are two things that really 
uh, we pretty much do agree on, uh, at least the people that think that Oswald didn't do it, is that Oswald you know, didn't do it. He was an intelligence operative, and he was a patsy. And the other thing is that it was a coup d'etat. And those people are still in control today. And, uh, you know, we need... Uh, I'm terrible. I have an agenda. Some people think it's uh, kind of trite, but uh, I, I, I want my country back. Some people say, well, back to what? <laughs> uh, uh, back to freedom. Back to something that, that actually stands on our Constitution. Uh, and, and a constitutional republic rather than this uh, empire uh, that has a need for slaves and not uh, citizens. Let's let's uh, we're, we're coming up on a break here, but let's get the conversation rolling, and we'll continue after the break. And uh, let's talk about Oswald in New Orleans. In New Orleans, I mean this ridiculous scenario of him uh, handing out pamphlets uh, for his committee of one, you know, fair play for Cuba. Uh, didn't recruit a, a single individual to the cause, gets in fisticuffs with a number of uh, anti-Castro um, uh, Cuban exiles, uh, gets paraded before the media, you know, uh, talking about uh, his pro-Castro views. Um, I mean, what was that? What was that really all about? Well, it was about a couple of things. Uh, the main two things being. Uh, creating his legend, giving him some uh, pro-Castro uh, bona, bona fides, and then uh, they would hand out uh, these uh, Fair Play for Cuba pamphlets, and uh, there would be people there uh, watching, and if the people actually kept them uh, and didn't just throw them away, they would follow them, and if they were sometimes Latino people, they would uh, then uh, get them arrested and uh, get them deported because they were, you know, searching for uh, uh, people that were sympathizers. So there was uh, two different uh, main uses for that action. And the other interesting aspect, well, there are many, but the, one of them is the the offices of his one-man Fair Play for Cuba committee, uh, which now. Guy Bannister. We should talk about Guy Bannister and his offices at 554 Camp Street in New Orleans. And uh, the same building, but a separate entrance. Oswald is using the same building, you know, to, to print up his pamphlets. Uh, and there's some discussion whether he and Bannister, you know, ever met in the same building. The fact that they were they were both housed in the same building. We'll talk about that. The connection between uh, Guy Bannister and Lee Harvey Oswald in New Orleans in the months leading up to the JFK assassination. Chris Milligan is with us from Trinidad Press, and uh, the book again is Fleshing Out Skull and Bones. If you don't have it, get it. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show right here. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Chris Milligan is with us. Trinidad Publishing, and uh, the author or the editor rather of Fleshing Out Skull and Bones. His father was a, um, a member of the Office of Strategic Services, the forerunner of the CIA. Later, with the CIA, served in South Asia. A conversation back in the late 1960s with Chris and his father led Chris on this lifelong journey into investigating 
not only the JFK assassination, but, uh, well, just, I guess, the way the, the world really works. And we were talking about Oswald in New Orleans, July 1963. We mentioned the connection with Guy Bannister, who, of course, Garrison, the New Orleans district attorney, mentioned Bannister as being involved in the assassination of, of Kennedy. And it is interesting, Bannister former FBI agent, was actually present at the killing of John Dillinger, caught the attention of uh, J. Edgar Hoover, and I believe headed up the FBI in Butte, Montana, uh, but was very uh, a virulent anti-communist. And um, uh, he was stationed at 531 Lafayette on, in New Orleans, and, and uh, Oswald's Fair Play for Cuba was at 554 Camp, but those two streets met, and so the it was the same building, different entrances, and uh, there's some you know discussion as to whether Oswald and Bannister supposedly would be on opposite sides, obviously, uh, but whether they were working together. And, and Bannister's secretary, uh, was it Delphine Roberts, I think her name was, she maintains that uh, that Oswald did meet with Bannister. Uh, what are your thoughts on on uh, on Bannister and Oswald and a possible connection, Chris? Well, uh, Bannister, uh, according to uh, many sources, was still working uh, within the FBI and within the intelligence services, uh, especially on a couple, uh, several uh, secret projects, uh, one uh, within the uh, uh, right-wing uh, militia community, another within a uh, secret project that was in uh, New Orleans that was uh, weaponizing cancer, uh, to be used as a biological uh, weapon to uh, kill Castro. And uh, Judith Baker uh, gives uh, testimony of, of going into Bannister's office. Uh, she actually, uh, uh, one time when she was there, she acquired a, uh, uh, some of his, sta- of his stationery. And um, Bannister is part and parcel of the milieu uh, that you have involved uh, in uh, the Kennedy assassination and other types of, of secret, secret projects. Uh, and what's very interesting in the, in the Kennedy assassination, um, you have a lot of players that are uh, double and triple and, and, and quadruple agents. And in intelligence operations, these double and triple and quadruple agents, sometimes they don't even know who they're working for and generally don't know exactly what they're doing because that's the nature of intelligence operations. But they're very um, invaluable because uh, they get things done. Uh, they move back and forth. They, they uh, take information back and forth. And you have a situation such as uh, the book that Dick Russell wrote, uh, The Man Who Knew Too Much, of a gentleman by the name of uh, Richard K. Snagel. And he knew something was going on. He didn't know exactly what, but he knew he didn't want to be involved. So he goes into a bank uh, the week before the Kennedy assassination and, and, and shoots a hole in the ceiling uh, so that uh, when the Kennedy assassination happens, uh, he's in jail. And uh, when you have uh, operations such as this, to, to find out who these double and triple and quadruple agents are and, and who they're talking to and how they're ta- who they're th- talking through, uh, they have things called shakedown cruises. 
uh, and you had most notably, you had one in Miami, uh, and you had one in Chicago. Uh, the one in Chicago uh, left a patsy in place, very similar to Lee Harvey Oswald, and uh, we have testimony from Abraham Bolden that uh, it was a gentleman by the name of Lee that gave him uh, the information about uh, that Chicago plot. He helped thwart the plot against Kennedy. Kennedy was supposed to be taken out in Chicago, and it was supposedly Oswald who thwarted that plot. Yeah, how do you square that with an Oswald who supposedly fires the fatal shots that kill the president? Uh, we will continue the conversation. Chris Milligan from Trinidad publishing the book Fleshing Out Skull and Bones right here on The Conspiracy Show. No need to go anywhere else. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Just a quick heads up, top of the hour. We will open up the phone lines and we will do an hour of open lines. Doesn't happen very often on the program, but tonight is the night. Open lines, uh, beginning at the top of the hour. Welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. Richard Serrett with you. Chris Milligan on the line, and uh, he, the editor of Fleshing Out Skull and Bones. Many of you will have this in your uh, library, and if not, I urge you to get it. Chris, you mentioned Simeon Cancer Virus 40, which uh, supposedly was contained in the live polio vaccine developed by uh, Dr. Salk, and and once they found out that, um, you know, they were giving millions of people cancer, I guess Dr. Mary Sherman thought that she was brought on board to try and find the, uh, I guess, the antidote. Uh, what was, uh, and this was taking place in New Orleans. So what was Oswald, his role in that? What was his relationship with Dr. Mary Sherman? He seems to be a courier uh, in that operation, mostly. Uh, you know, he, he showed up in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, uh, possibly to pick up some radiological uh, material. He went other places. He, he moved around uh, town there in New Orleans. Uh, he showed up at uh, Mary Sherman's apartment uh, and, and also to Juan Valdez's apartment, which was uh, in the same apartment complex where they would... Uh, go into the restroom and just uh, uh, flush the toilet over and over and over again. And uh, this appears to be uh, getting rid of uh, these cancerous tumors and uh, some of the uh, mice carcasses because they had a secret lab uh, through David Ferry uh, because they had to break up uh, the different doctors in this uh, secret program, so everybody didn't know what everybody was doing. It, they had a, a lab that was out at a, at a house, and so it, it appears that uh, Oswald was uh, mostly acting as a cur- courier, possibly as a little bit as security. Okay, and, and we and, should just sort of set the stage here very quickly. So we have uh, Judith Very Baker, who was doing remarkable things in high school with cancer and mice. We had Dr. Mary Sherman, who I, I guess sort of thought that she was brought on board to try and find an antidote for the uh, the simian uh, cancer virus that was contained in the polio vaccine. But at the same time, I guess she learned that 
that and perhaps Judy as well that they were really weaponizing this virus and that it was going to be used against Castro. Is that right? Have I? Uh, yes, actually, there there was a decision made uh, to weaponize it to uh, use against Castro, and both uh, Mary and Judy were aware of that. And where Judy got herself in trouble was when she found out that uh, they were using it on a prisoner and they were not telling the prisoner uh, uh, that he was getting a, a, a cancer virus and also that the prisoners were not already, uh, had al- already had a uh, uh, life-threatening cancer in them and were just healthy people. And when she complained that they were killing healthy people, uh, she was then thrown off the program, and that pretty much uh, saved her life because uh, her name changed from her maiden name to her married name, and uh, she was away from New Orleans because most everybody out, well, everybody else involved in that uh, experiment that we we know of and is known of publicly is. Uh, dead and most of them murdered. Well, and uh, certainly uh, Dr. Mary Sherman, uh, one of them, met a, a grisly end. Um, was Oswald supposed to deliver this cancer virus to uh, take out Castro? Is that why he went down to Mexico to try to get uh, into Cuba? Uh, that's what the testimony is of uh, Judith Barry Baker, uh, which is the first person testimony. Uh, and he wasn't going to take it to Cuba himself, but he was going to hand it off uh, to somebody that was going to take it on uh, to Cuba. And there has been quite a bit of, you know, discussion whether he uh, had, had gone to Mexico, and it's been pretty much uh, shown uh, that he uh, did go. And, yes, the, the Oswald Conference, uh, there are videos of it, some excellent presentations uh, from our researchers, uh, at oswaldconference.com, and then uh, the uh, upcoming conference is a, a very simple jfkconference.com, uh, uh, and uh, people can check it out and, and see the speakers. We're also going to have uh, uh, Peter Dale Scott, um, and also going to have a, a very interesting presentation by Fernando Ferrara, who was a uh, reporter on the ground uh, when RFK was assassinated, because uh, the day the conference starts, 11:20, is actually Robert Kennedy's birthday, and he did a lot of research about the girl with the polka dot dress. Ah, uh, yes. Who officially still doesn't exist, but <laughs> he begs to differ. Yes, she's the one that presented Sirhan Sirhan with the uh, the big uh, carafe of coffee and uh, perhaps containing rohypnol. We don't know what was in that uh, coffee, but. Uh, and that was all she wrote for poor Sirhan Sirhan, who continues to languish in a, in a prison. And says that he went, he was under mind control today. Uh, he, he, uh, Sirhan says that today. Yes, it's a, uh, a wild world. And again, it, it goes back to a psychological warfare and goes back to what my father, uh, these uh, secret societies, how these secret societies control the world. Is a leviathan of, of, of three levels, and each level has three parts. Top level is mining, metal, and money, and they hold that real tight. Uh, next is a very active uh, thing. Uh, use the theater of war a lot. Uh, it's drugs, uh, guns, and, and oil, which also includes allopathic medicine. And uh, 
then and they used all the funds from that to buy up all the other industries and then where this leviathan meets the road is is media and uh, movies slash music and they have to control that and then quote unquote magic the ability to hoodwink us and their preponderance in using mass trauma uh, to scare the heck out of us and, and, and put us into shock and uh, that's what uh, the JFK uh, assassination at its core was it's uh, the occult ritual of the killing of the king uh, and for, for, for my money uh, your crew is uh, Hoover and LBJ, and they're low men on the totem pole. You, you, they're so blackmailable. Uh, you have them in your pocket. Uh, then you have Alan Dulles, and uh, he's a lawyer. And who's he? Law? He's a lawyer for well, the Bush family. And it was George H. W. Bush and Nelson Rockefeller. Uh, you had uh, Hoover writing a letter. Uh, the day after the assassination that mentions George Bush of the CIA. And he's covering his, his, his fanny uh, there. And uh, because the shock that the country went into, and we've, we've never been the same country since. Uh, the percentage of the population that believes in its, in its government, uh, believes in, you know, what America is about drastically changed. Uh, I mean, you have uh, and, and Judith Very Baker have a huge task in trying to sort of rehabilitate, I guess, the image of, of Lee Harvey Oswald. Uh, although, you know, the polls suggest that um, if he was involved, he certainly didn't act alone. And the uh, the uh, the Joint uh, Committee on on Assassinations in um, was that 1978 uh, mm-hmm. suggested also there was a, a also a conspiracy. Here we just have a few minutes uh, remaining, but let me throw this out at you. Uh, and and this speaks, I guess, to Judith Very Baker's relationship with Lee Harvey Oswald. And the question is, because it has been speculated widely, you know, that the Oswald that came back from Russia was not the Oswald. Uh, you know that uh, that went to Russia and so forth. That there were doubles. That there were maybe numerous Lee Harvey Oswalds. Is it possible uh, that G- that that Judith Very Baker met one Oswald, but it wasn't the Oswald? What do you think of that? What do you think of the whole Oswald double uh, theory? Um, I, I I don't know. I do know that there was something within uh, the CIA called the Oswald Project. Uh, and they were talking to that about uh, when he was in uh, Russia. Um, a, a lot of uh, what is presented as evidence uh, can be shown to be uh, uh, playing with um, photographs. And I'm sure that there uh, were imposters uh, that were used to um, uh, play Oswald at times. But whether there's these two uh, big, long narratives of a Lee Harvey and a Harvey Lee, I, I, that a lot has been shown to me to be spacious. All right. So I, I, I don't really uh, believe that. It's shown to me by, by quite a few different people coming from different angles. Uh, but I, I, I do believe that there, uh, uh, Oswald was used uh, as an intelligence legend. 
and he was a patsy. Now, and he, I do believe that he, that was a true Lee Harvey Oswald that was born in New Orleans at Judith Ferry Baker. All right. Now, now uh, you know, Judy's insistent that Oswald was a fan of Kennedy, which is kind of interesting because, you know, obviously much of the intelligence apparatus in the United States at the time, people in the OSS, E. Howard Hunt certainly had no love for Kennedy. He wasn't alone in that. They were, let's, let's face it, people were lining up to take a shot, a shot at the president. Uh, this sacrificial lamb sort of wandered into this national security state. And um, so I, I just find it interesting. You know, Oswald was anti-Castro, uh, and yet we had Kennedy, some said he was appease, trying to appease Castro. Why would Oswald have been a fan of John F. Kennedy? Well, the, the Warren Commission, you know, the anti-Castro was just part of a legend. And the Warren Commission uh, even uh, showed that uh, Kennedy, that Oswald was a fan uh, of Kennedy. They couldn't uh, use that as a motive that, that he hated Kennedy. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, when, when you're an intelligence operative, operative uh, you say and do many things. Uh, to uh, create your legend, and the story that Ed Haslam uh, tells and other people talk about is that now when Oswald came back from the uh, Russia, uh, when he had to get his paper signed to say, okay, you can come back, uh, that had to go on up, and one of the offices that would have had to sign that would have been the office of the Attorney General. And there's quite a bit of, in, of uh, information to show that uh, as an intelligence operative, one of the uh, op- uh, operations that Oswald was doing was working out of the Attorney General's office uh, because uh, they had uh, were trying to shut down the anti-Castro sites and a uh, little after time after Oswald visited one in Louisiana, it was shut down. All right, Chris, unfortunately, we are out of time. So much more to discuss. We'll have to leave it here for now. Thank you so much uh, for being with us. Give us a website. Trineday.com, uh, uh, jfkconference.com. And thank you so my, much. My pleasure, trineday.com. All right, the website here, strangeplanet.ca. Say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett. As always, follow the truth.